I'm Jen Derry, and you are listening to Progression Podcast. As makers, we're great at designing and building products and experiences that people love. But one thing that we still can't do effectively is design our own careers. With the help of regular contributors and special guests, I'm digging into why that is, tackling questions around managing versus making, missing manager tools, soft and hard skills and training, compensation, and navigating a new job that's right for you. This episode, I'm talking to Jen Derry, a brilliant leadership and team coach from California. We talk about everything from why designers feel compelled to make things with their hands, to the complexity of managing people, and the importance of having someone outside your company to talk to. I had a lot of fun in this chat. Jen is a real laugh and very easy to talk to, and you can talk to her yourself. Check out her company, Plucky, and her So Now You're a Manager training course at beplucky.com. And Jen's also on Twitter at Jennifer Dairy. All those links will be in the show notes. Remember, folks, you can contribute to this podcast. If you have a question about design careers, progression, or personal growth, get involved in the Slack community at progressionpack.com chat. Finally, if you're struggling with building skills or progression into your design team, please do also check out progressionpack.com. I'm still in beta and it's crazy cheap, so do your team a favor and save hundreds of hours by pressing that buy button. Okay, sales pitch over, on with the interview. First of all, Jen, it'd be great to hear from you uh, what's been the last five years and, and uh, tell me what has happened and who you uh, are as well. How many hours do you have? Yeah. Okay. So I, so my name is Jen Derry, obviously. I live in Berkeley, California. Um, I run a company called Plucky and Plucky is... I think most generally a resource for workplaces to deal with their humans. So the offering that comes out of that is pretty diverse and actually pretty like evolved across the last five years. So uh, these days I spend about half my time leadership coaching. That's what I was doing just before I called you. That's what I will be doing right after I finish talking to you. So that is like my book at day to day, you know, um, meeting to meeting is coaching uh, either folks that currently are in leadership roles or managerial roles or emerging into those roles. And then the other half of my time is spent doing a mix of, I would say, education on some level. So either those are workshops that companies hire me to come and do internal for them how to have a hard conversation, uh, manager training of sorts, things like that. Or I do my own manager training four times a year. It's a small two-day workshop called So Now You're a Manager. And that's for people who are have been doing this for like less than five years. Um, and then, you know, it's a small business. So a million other things. Some days I'm doing invoicing. Some day, Most days I'm doing some aspect of marketing. I have an assistant who helps me out a few hours a week. So, and we have a product called a one-on-one starter pack, which is a pack of cards to help people figure out what the hell you're supposed to talk about with people when you actually get them nailed down on a calendar once a week yes, or this, every week. This pack of cards, I, I still want to work out how to I, get yeah. one. <laughs> well, maybe this could be, I know, this can be another takeaway here. It's like, well, I need someone on your continent to like, I don't know, I don't even know how this works, be a provider. So, um, yeah, at some point we'll figure that out, but yeah, that, that's the, this, this is probably how we know each other actually from Twitter and talking about that. Yeah. I was about to say, I think that the, the way I found you was I saw a pack of cards and I'm a sucker for a pack of cards. I saw your pack of cards and I thought, man, I need to get that pack of cards. And then the shipping. Ooh. I know, <laughs> yeah. dude, I know. 
I know. Well, that's why I'm always like, okay, maybe, um, so, you know, the conference called, so now your manager, I call it SNIAM for short, cause that's a fun acronym. And yeah. so, uh, people are often like, Oh, when are you doing SNIAM in Europe? When are you doing it in the UK? Whatever. And I'm like, dude, I want nothing more than to come to Europe and hang out with like old friends of mine in the UK, or I did my master's in Paris, like all those places. But now I have these two little boys and it just makes travel harder and less easy to predict. But as soon as I can line that up with like a kid's school vacation or, you know, something yeah. grandparents coming here so I can come there, that is happening. And I feel like once that happens, then I can just bring a whole bunch of the cards. And Well, if you need a glamorous assistant, then uh, I'm sure yeah. I can oblige. <laughs> so many good networking things coming out of this already. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, t- tell me more about SNIAM. Yeah. So my job before Plucky is I was a director of employee development in an agency in New York, a digital agency. And like with basically every other agency on the planet, um, you would take people that are very good at code or pixels, to use your word from earlier. uh, And at some point we needed someone to like wrangle the other coders or pixelers, right? So we thought, oh, you're very good at code. You're very good at pixels. You, You can be in charge of the other ones, right? Um, which is, I think like a really natural human, um, feeling. (laughs) Oh, you're good at that. Lead those people. The problem is that the leading of the people was not necessarily what they were good at. I'm not saying they didn't have good instincts or maybe even a desire to manage on some level, but, um, you know, the Wild West was also applicable to the internet at some point and even is still a little bit these days and certainly the people who make the internet. And so we didn't have a lot of structure internally to train those people even. And honestly, we're talking about a vertical in terms of technology. We're talking about a vertical of people that are really pretty rebellious against any sort of structural, right? Like, don't tell me what the you know, career path looks like I'll make my own career path. I'll make my own website. I'll make my own business. I'll, you know, they're very capable in terms of entrepreneurial spirit. And so the only manager trainings out there were something like Six Sigma or something that seemed very, you know, like really not the right culture vibe. So anyway, I did that for uh, like six years and I used to have one-on-ones with all of these folks, including those that had moved into management. And at some point I thought, oh Jesus, like literally every coffee I have with, doesn't matter who they are, but anybody who's managing, we're talking about the same exact thing. So I started internally to have manager lunch. Once a month, I invited the four folks that had been, you know, promoted of sort into team lead and we would all have lunch together. And I'm like, see, you're all saying the same thing. So that's all very normal. And when I left that agency to start Plucky, I thought, okay, the first thing I'm going to do is a Google doc called, so now you're a manager. And I really, I'm just going to put all my thoughts in this Google doc about, I wasn't sure if it was going to be like an, um, a video course, like an e-course, or maybe it was going to be like a local meetup. I was living in New York at that point. Um, but I knew there was like a market and a hunger and a need out there for that. And then obviously, as you probably find with your business too, it took like three years and a lot of life lived and having a kid and I was sick and like a lot of big things in my life going on that prevented me from getting it out any faster. But in any event, last summer we launched the first SNIAM, Snow Your Manager in New York. Then we did San Francisco. And then this year we did, um, Philadelphia, Oakland, um, 
we just did Dayton, Ohio. And then next month I'll be back in Brooklyn, New York for the sixth. And we're just going to keep going. And it's 20 attendees each time. And oh my gosh, Johnny, like I just, I love them so much. <laughs> they show up, they're hungry for it. They're new to it. So they're still very curious and they don't hate people yet. Mostly, you know, <laughs> which is like a really good temperament to have. And it's not that I think people can't come back and relearn things once they've been a manager for longer than five years, but you are dealing with at that point, like they've had a lot of anecdotes, usually political where they've been burned a little. So you have like that, that sort of community spirit, you have to come at it from a different angle and I'm well up for it, but just, I need to get this one off the ground and, you know, kind of running for a while before I attack more senior management course. Yeah. I mean, you say under five years, five years actually is a fairly broad spectrum. I would imagine that a year into your life as a manager, you're still, there's maybe still some rose tinted spectacles. Oh. You may still be involved in the craft. You may still be kind of uh, not entirely recognizing what your true role is yet and, mm-hmm. and clinging on to various things. Whereas five years on, you're, you're probably in a different headspace. You know, it's funny because it's also so slippery. A lot of people might say, well, I was doing this for two years and then I finally got the title for it, right? So that is all just really a fuzzy timeline. And um, especially if you're on a smaller team, like you may have been managing, but nobody was calling you that or you LinkedIn didn't know that, you know, like these sorts of uh, ways that we track that is is kind of different. But I think you're right in that at a certain point, it is uh, more a skill that you can handle more tactically. But in the beginning, it takes a while. Like one of the first questions I'll ask somebody if they say like, oh, actually, I'm pretty new to management. I'll say, are you still billable? Mm. Which is what I'm and and obviously if you're you're in a product company, that's a little bit different. Right. But what I'm wondering is like are you still in the code? Are you still in the weeds? Is that still part of what you are supposed to be producing? Now, companies have really different theories on culturally whether they think that's still important. Oh, if you're an engineering director then or an engineering manager, then you should still be writing code. And others at a certain point say, no, dude, you've got no time for that anymore. Your f- sole focus is on the human experience and, and reten- retention and hiring and all the stuff you sort of mentioned earlier. Um, that you know, the, the code, you've been promoted out of the code now. And there's a real grief that comes with that, right? A design director, I mean, you didn't get in it for the humans. You got in it for the joy of this creative act. And so a lot of my workshops are spent um, reaffirming that, no, 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 you're still designing. You're just designing with humans as currency now, right? You're designing when you, you're designing a team, and when you think about what features should we have, you should think, okay, what personality type should we add to this team? What what sort of skill set could we diversify this group of humans instead of maybe your more classic pixel, digital, colorful, you know, world that you're used to? Right, yeah. I mean, it's interesting that you mention this kind of grieving period. Yeah. Uh, I've never heard it called a, a grieving period before, but I experienced it myself, and I've talked to lots of other people that have and lots of people who will question whether they really should be a manager at all because Mm -hmm. they're they're missing their old job so much. And Mm. um, do you uh, meet people as part of your workshops or as part of your day where you just say, you know what, do just go back to um, doing the do? 
I so I don't necessarily ever say that directly to a person because I I might have instincts there, but it's not my life to live. But I I want to always give permission for going back to going back to anything, you know, or or going for I would say always kind of going forwards, but circling back, right? Almost in a way. Um, I think that a lot of folks feel very handcuffed as they make that progression, so to speak, upwards in a chain that, oh, well, it's a failure if I decide I don't want to manage anymore and I want to go back to the designing. Like somehow that is like your grandma is going to show up and judge you or like the, you know, (laughs) the gods of the resume builders are going to be like, oh, you know, that that's the wrong direction. What, what about the next, next thing? And it's like, screw you, man. Like, we do not know what is coming next year in our careers, in our lives, in our, you know, like health, any of that stuff. So what I feel very strongly about is, um, you're going to be a better partner, a better father, a better, um, son, a better, all of those things. If you're really into what you're doing today. So whatever makes you come alive today, that feels like what you should really be focused on. And then, you know, of course, be somewhat goal oriented and forward thinking, but don't let that capsize the joy of what you're doing today. Uh, I think humans can do very, very hard things if they are in service of something greater. And if you have lost that greater, then you're just doing a hard thing every day and you're going to burn the hell out pretty fast on that as you should. Yes. Yeah. The narrative of, and I've seen this, this narrative kind of around recently of, um, Really, the only way to get to the top of the pile is to go into a management position. Obviously, your day-to-day yeah. is helping managers to manage. Um, yeah. But how much do you buy that versus, you know, the, the people that would say, well, I have to be a manager because otherwise I'm not going to get to VP or whatever the thing is that they want. And, right. and you know, we can get onto right. titles a bit more uh, later. Mm-hmm. But... Well, I think the major question under that is what do you want? So usually if somebody says, oh, I want a VP title, I say, okay, well, what does that mean? Right? Like, what does that mean for you? Are we talking about you want recognition? Are we talking about you want money? Are we talking about you want flexibility with schedule? Like maybe VPs get to work from a different office or get to be remote. Do you want to travel more? Like boil that shit down for me. Because when you say a title, if you say creative director and I say creative director, uh, we might mean very different things. And what is underneath that is more interesting and actually movable, right? So um, I think that title question is really relevant. People will people will just answer, oh, well, I want to be a director one day. Oh, I want to be a VP one day. But like, what do you, what does that even mean? <laughs> like, what, what are the benefits? And I think quite often it is money related or it is, um, I don't know, I, I, maybe I want to say like, recognition or prestige related, but not because everybody's this like, er, you know, egotistical asshole. It's just like, um, more that that's what we, that's the momentum that we believe. Oh, society told me I'll start as a junior. Then I'll move to like senior. Then I'll become director. Then I'll be a VP. And then maybe one day I'll be, I don't even know, creative director or something like that. Right. Head of design. Um, okay. Well that's one path, but like, what what is the really the authentic path for you? And the authentic path might be like, I actually really want to be in the weeds every day. I want to be designing, but I want to make enough for my family to live so that I can live 
outside London. I can live, you know, wherever I live in the world. So now that now we're getting some metrics and some data behind what you want. Oh, you mm. want this much money. You want this kind of stuff. So what that might mean in one company, should you not leave is, well, that means you probably got to get to VP level. That means you have to give up what you love doing day to day in order to make that much money in order to have that title. Or you could just freaking leave and you could go to another company who um, values a culture in a different way and says, well, we have a crossroads. Either you could go um, deep into the discipline so you could become an expert at design and certain things. You could be on the speaking circuit. You could be writing, thought leadership, this sort of stuff and make more money as you continue. Or you could choose the mentorship path, which leads you towards managerial roles and also has more money involved, right? Like company, that's the win. The companies that can provide different paths and not only um, reward financially and socially and all that stuff, reward management, because then you get everybody in management. Not everybody wants, not everybody is good at that. And what the companies on the meta level who only reward that they're going to have major retention problems down the line because you don't have the right people facilitating the people. And that's sometimes where I come in, <laughs> right? So either I'm coaching one-on-one to like get people um, to stay sane in the work of humans, which is really insane some days, uh, or I'm helping a company try to turn that ship around culturally where they have made progression synonymous with management and they realize oh shit now we're in a corner here you know we don't know how to get out of it right right do you find yourself as as a, an external a third party and a coach uniquely yeah. positioned to be able to ask those questions and get real answers um yeah because i can't fire you <laughs> Right. And I can't give you a raise or decline your raise. What I'm really there to hear is patterns underneath what everybody's sharing. So sometimes I do something called an employee experience audit and uh, I will interview like a whole bunch of people on the team and then I will survey others. And what I'm listening for is a pattern of everybody talking about the same cultural um, thread or momentum and, and, yeah, I can say I'm going to hold confidence, by the way. I, I'm not going to ever share your words with anybody you work with, uh, with your name attached to it, Bodo. What I'm listening for is confirmation across the board that like, yeah, this is some systemic stuff going on. And then I, I put together a talent strategy doc where I say, hey, by the way, it sounds like um, there is no feeling of once you get beyond senior designer, they don't know where their path goes, so they leave. Right. So how do we handle that? Or maybe that's what you want. Maybe you only want to pay, you know, lower level employees because they're cheaper and then you don't care if they leave after senior. Maybe that's fine. But if that's not fine, how do we get like structured about sharing some guidance with your more junior folks so they know they could be here for the long haul? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I want to change tack a little bit and, and go back to measuring success as a manager having been a doer. Uh, which is, yeah. which is, a, a, I suppose, a topic that I, I think is very pertinent and and uh, and is right in your in your ballpark. I think the, the what you said earlier about oh well you're now designing but with people instead of that's all well mm -hmm. and good, but you can't put your headphones on and churn out a person <laughs> in a day. Totally. <laughs> um, so, so uh, how? Do... Well, you can. I know some VPs like that, but yeah. So, how do you go about? How do you go about measuring whether you're doing mm. a good job? How do you go about finding those that the kind of dopamine hits? 
Yeah. I, I, I talk a lot about this actually at the workshop. I, I talk about, um, how, when you move to this more fluid and slippery role with humans, um, one of the things, and, and I, I suppose designers for sure feel creator grief, like obviously, but definitely from the coding, you know, delegation, they're all like, I used to like, you know, QA code and it was like worked, did not work done. Right. It's like a very literal, uh, not possible with people on a level. And so I just always say that this is for a manager role. This is for a coach. This I would assume for a therapist or anybody else who's doing like heavy people lifting. Um, I say, you know, you get in your car at the end of the day, or you get on the train you take or the, or your bike or however you get to work. And the major, the only question I feel you can really ask yourself is, did I move something forward today? Mm. And if you moved something forward today, then you can go home and sleep well. That is the work. And the work is tiring for that reason, because it, it's hard to feel tangible about a lot of it. And some days I feel, this is actually here, this is a funny personal anecdote. I feel this 100% of my work, right? Like, it's like, okay, I made all the meetings. I talked to all the humans. Did I, what did I do today? And so last week I volunteered, my son just started kindergarten. He's five. And I picked up a volunteer shift at his school's book fair, right? I cannot even tell you how cathartic it was for two hours to like turn books over to the barcode and be like, beep. <laughs> and then, okay, man, that'll be seven forty nine. Right. Cash or charge, right? Beep. Like, please sign the receipt here. Like just that tactical two hour period yeah. was really helpful to me. And I, I recommend that also for managers that like, listen, you got to book a chunk of your week, which is like to-do list oriented or some sort of yeah. check, Crossings check, check, or sometimes yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or sometimes you see managers in their um, non-work lives doing things like training for whatever, a 10K, training for a marathon, deciding to become somebody who lifts weights. Like you can see that what they're looking for is some sort of like, okay, now I know I made it this far, right? Like they really need that sort of rigor in another area of their life. And so I also think that management, like a lot of other stuff, is good for certain seasons in your life. You know, when you, if, if, um, I, I used to talk to somebody who, uh, was a young dad and he used to say, I have literally spent all my patients by 9am, like just getting these fools out the house to their schools. Like I'm done by 9am. And I was like, ever so gently, like, well, maybe this isn't the right time for management for you. Right. Like right. I am so empathetic to that. I have two little boys, but perhaps if they are sucking you dry before 9am, yeah. then maybe you do need to feel more efficient in your morning after you get your kids to school. And I think that's real too. Um, I, I mean, I think all this stuff is so interesting and I generally believe that, you know, work and life is the same damn bucket. We talk about work-life balance. I think it's the same thing. I think if you have a challenging morning, it affects your 9 a.m. Mm -hmm. at work. And I think if you have a crappy, you know, 5 o'clock meeting at work, then it affects whoever's receiving you at home that night. Like this, the energy kind of follows you. And so I generally feel like uh, one's, one area of your life needs to be stable and one area of your life needs to be crazy. So maybe you, this is very stereotypical, but maybe you have found your person and you've gotten married and you have your 2.5 kids and a dog and everything is stable at home, which hardy har, I have two kids and life is cray. <laughs> 
but you know, maybe on some level that is stable for you at home, which means that you come to work and you're like, all right, what are we doing today? Yeah. Like, right. You're like hungry for something yeah, yeah. crazy and a little challenge. Meanwhile, if you just had like a divorce and triplets and moved house, then you come to work and you're like, literally just show me where my duck is. I'm going to do whatever you give to me. Right. It's like you want more stability. So that all feels very related. And when you ask yourself, should I be moving into management? What does success look like? I think it's really effing relevant to ask yourself, well, what's going on outside of work? Mm. What does that prompt in terms of the need that you have during your nine to five day and how you make your money? And if you pay attention to that, I think you will be a better employee. I think you'll be a better manager. And I think you'll be a better human outside of work too, because you'll be more balanced in those ways. Yes. The, uh, the, the library anecdote is scarily close to what happened when I left. I, uh, spent a few years yeah. doing what did people do? things and then left my job and, went to Wales and spent a week chopping wood. And it's actually, it's funny. Um, I speak to a lot of designers who, when I ask them, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, the, the whole 10 year plan or whatever the thing is, which is impossible to answer for anyone. I, yeah. I, I believe, but, and, and it was proven correct when I've asked this question and people generally either say, I don't know, or they say, I want to run a cafe or I want to yeah. do woodwork or build my own house. And none of the things are um, mm. office-related goals. Mm. And I think having having something tangible, and it, I mean, maybe there's something, at least in men, around monument building as well, so maybe some of the kind of cabin <laughs> in the woods stuff is to do with that. But mm-hmm. having something that you can step back from and look at and say, I did that, um, yeah. actually is an important counterpoint to this intangible um kind of mess of people and people are complicated and yeah every quarter you think okay i made a bunch of decisions and some things have happened but what if i'd made d- different decisions would it have been better or worse um yes so, so having something that is made out of wood or yes <laughs> yes well i mean i think that's really normal and if that's how we're we're operating and what i would bet is if somebody did leave it all and go start a cafe i give them like t minus nine months to get bored Mm. and to miss the level of strategic thinking about the cafe right and i mean maybe they could if they're really in charge of the cafe then i suppose they could decide okay great tuesdays we're gonna do empanadas and (laughs) Thursdays, you know like we're gonna appeal to this diversity like they could get strategic about it but I seriously doubt anybody would be able to completely remove that and, and just want to like factory work, yeah, right? Yeah. That, what that suggests to me is that they are way over fatigued yeah. in that kind of, I don't even know, soul level of, of just inability to know what am I freaking doing here? I mean, to me, I, I, this is like a loaded metaphor, I realize for a lot of people, so I don't, I don't want to always use it, but I do think management is like parenting in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. Like I can go from feeling like I am killing it right now with this parenting, like, oh, we are doing a great job to literally the next moment thinking like, well, I'll start saving for their therapy bills now. You know, like it is so crazy and so up and down. And I don't think I'm alone with that. I've talked to, I know a lot of parents, obviously. Um, And I think the same was with management where you feel like, all right, we got the team. We're all 
all working on it. And then somebody out of nowhere um, gives their notice and you don't know what to do. And um, as a coach, I feel like I'm this weird category of, of person to you because I know all your shit. And I'm not married to you, and I don't have control over your, you know, your salary either. You know, I'm not your boss, and I'm not your partner. Um, but I know all the stuff. I always say, like, I feel like a ghost in the boardroom somehow. Right. You know, I coach a lot of leadership teams. I know all their stuff. I know what they're good at, and I know what um, is, I don't know, just like triggering for them or scary for them. And sometimes, delightfully, I get the chance to coach like a whole leadership team for a while and then go on site and be in the room with them all. And that's like really fun for me, for a coach to like, it's sort of like what I imagine, you know, I actually have never been to Disneyland, but what I imagine (laughs) you go and you're like, oh my God, Mickey Mouse is here. And like, you know, they're like live in front of you, 3D. And um, it's fun. People are always like taller than I thought they'd be. (laughs) You're not in the computer anymore. Yeah. <laughs> no, totally. And honestly, that joy and that, um, I don't know, true curiosity about those humans that I am helping to shepherd through their work, I think managers can feel that too. You know, I think managers can find a way to realize that um, the work is in those moments with the people to see how do I remove fear from this? How do I empower? How do I say, like, you got this. Mm. It'll be messy the first time around, but try it again. Mm. I think you'll get it the next time, right? That sort of like coaching spirit there, that is like beautiful, amazing work. And it is fatiguing. And you should probably have a side project of like, I don't even know, painting balsa wood figures on the side, right. whatever you need. But when it works, it is so damn fulfilling. Yeah. And I, I think that folks that are at all attracted to that, they just need to know how to balance the rest of things so that they don't get capsized. In right. It. And then uh, and seeing the joy in the people that you managed move into amazing careers later on. So yeah. maybe two, three, five, ten years down the line, even if mm-hmm. they never even liked you as a boss or, or you know, you didn't get on particularly well or um, you can feel like you made some decisions which helped them get to where they are today, which... It's, it's so much less tangible immediately and, and you know, um, yep. finding the joy in that is, is really important as well. And I mean, I think that's similar to the feeling that you have when you think about your like primary school teachers, right? They were like, bye, good luck in middle school and high school. Bye. Right. But they're in it for the long game. Mm. The kindergarten teacher is in it to realize that the way she or he approaches reading and excitement about that is literally going to start a lifelong association with books and reading and the ability to study hard or, you know, all of those things. And they like, so I always feel like I would really love at some point to have like a guest speaker, kindergarten teacher at one of my workshops, right? Or all kinds of different industries that I think are actually really closely knit, Mm. but we never associate with them. I always comp a ticket for a nonprofit uh, attendee um, at my workshops because I think it's really important for many of us to remember that, like, not everybody has the budget Google has, you know? And folks are trying to do so much good work with no money, almost no money, those sorts of things. And I I think it's really grounding for the room to remember like, oh, my goodness, everything that I'm handling, except I don't have the carrot of handling out like Amazon gift cards as a reward, you know, 
and this person's literally running a domestic abuse shelter or like, you know, stuff like that. Management work is the same on all these places. And I feel very, um, liberal artsy to be (laughs) able to, you know, my, my background has nothing to do with tech. So I'm glad to be, um, like the empowerer of all those different, like diverse voices in the room to, um, you know, like really share those experiences. On that, I'd love it if you could unpack actually what you said to me a little bit so that I can make sure that I understand it. But yeah, sure. Helping people to get budget and time and um, resource, people who might not be the loudest people in the room. Uh, I'm, I'm really interested in that as a general theme, and uh, I, I think mm. you have things to say about it. So. Yeah, no, I appreciate that because I, I feel like, well, I don't know. Nobody nobody thinks to maybe go on that business level and, and talk to me about these things. Um, where it's coming from with that is I think coaching, like, so sometimes somebody will say like, uh, you know what? I have, a, I have somebody that needs coaching. Can I send them to you? And usually what they mean is I have somebody who is not cutting the mustard. Can you fix them or fire them secretly for me? Like, that's, that's <laughs> kind of what's between the lines there. Um, and I am happy. I mean, I'm happy to talk to anybody about coaching, but, um, what I take very good care saying right away is it's important from moment one that this not sound like a disciplinarian action that like, you've been right. very bad. Now you get a coach like, no man. Like when you think about coaches in sports, that's not how they function. I mean, coaches are available, especially to early learners for sure, but they're also the magic behind how anybody freaking gets through the Olympics, right? Like this, they are, they are really important at many steps of the process, not only in beginners or not only in people who are showing weakness or perhaps need some, um, extra support. So while that is a very valid, uh, realm of things, I think, uh, we really, I don't know, we miss the boat for thinking, boy, I have this fantastic resource. I want to keep them forever. They're amazing. And they, um, they would really love to be recognized and supported by me saying, I want to get you a coach. I want you to level up, right? I want I want you to be even a more amazing than you already are. That is a population that has a hard time finding their way to me because nobody has like recommended them as a problem area. Right. And so they carry it all on their own back. They've been so successful and people think they can just do it all. And they can do a lot, but they could do way way more if they um have somebody else perhaps helping them be more efficient in their thinking and more and more confidence. That's a huge one. It's an epidemic. I see nobody has confidence anymore. And it's great. It's crazy because logically if someone is performing well, is very engaged in the company is, has found a seam of strength, then it makes sense that actually to, to tune up that part of their skill set would reap way more benefits than someone who is, perhaps underperforming or less engaged in the company and and you're trying to kind of give them a last oomph to (laughs) yeah right right exactly the last try uh no i mean 100 percent you're what you're what you're talking about with that very strong candidate is scaling them how do we scale this person how do we and here's here's the right example right you've got somebody maybe a designer who is uh, just by nature, the per- the big brother, the big sister on the team that other designers are flocking to to ask for advice, and 
and they like that and they they're good at that and they are open to mentorship and management but they're going to go through creator mm. grief they're going to not know how to feel successful at the end of the day and they are going to enter into a leadership team that they don't know much about and they're not sure how that will be read and also how do you manage your friends people you used to like go yeah. out for a beer with and now you're their manager all of those things are very tricky and to have someone um, as a confidential sort of buffer along the way feels like uh, a gift, not a reprimand. Right. right. And, 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 oh my gosh, how lucky that company would be if you could somehow take that person and scale them and make them fantastic at delegating so that they're empowering a next tier of folks who are empowering a next tier of folks all the way down. I mean, those are linchpins in organizations. And I, I feel very strongly that those people should get resource, yeah. uh, you know, don't, Send them an Amazon gift card if you want, but also have a real conversation with professional development without the fear that getting a coach means they're looking for right. a new job. And and by them talking to you or or a coach and I suppose 10xing yeah. their ability, I hate that phrase, but you know really boosting their ability, then yeah. they can pass that on, and the the ripple effect is so much more magnified for the company. And you're probably also, if you're choosing your best people and giving them these perks, then they're going to stick around for longer mm -hmm. as well. I mean, yeah, that's an environment that's supporting them and not threatened by their growth, yeah. right? Instead of that, they are really leaning into to the growth. And I, I say this all really lovingly. I have a coach. Um, I talk to her every two weeks. I really, really look forward to mm -hmm. that time because it is a time when that person is paid to listen yeah. to me, right? I don't have to – I mean, I – care that she had a nice weekend but <laughs> beyond that i'm not responsible right. for her right she is only there for me and um she is challenging me in ways that nobody else is necessarily doing because i run a business alone mm. right like all of those reasons are good good too so um i have just found it to be a really important resource and again just like i was saying earlier with other things i do think coaching has seasons yeah. as well you probably have a season where you need some an, another brain in the room um, to sort of empower certain things going on or call you out on your stuff. And then maybe you have seasons where you're just in your own head so much that you don't even need anybody right. else in there. And so when my folks, um, you know, if I have a client that needs to wind things down, take a pause or even leave, you know, and do something else, I'm always like, cheers, let's wrap things up, make sure we have yeah. some closure. But, you know, it might be a season of, um, Again, training for a marathon. It might be a season of finding yeah. a therapist to do other work, right? All that is super valid, and I am not threatened by people needing to close one chapter to, to move to yeah. something else. Yeah. Um, you talking about having a coach makes me desire to have a coach myself, I think. <laughs> we, could, yeah, good. We, could, okay. we could have a whole different conversation <laughs> about running a small yeah. business and doing it on your own. But, um, yeah. Thank you very much for talking to me and um, yes. what you're doing is fantastic and good luck with all the future. Now you're a manager endeavors and hopefully they make it over to Blighty at some point and we can, we can have a beer and um, in real life. Ugh. All right. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, right. Thank you.